So what I've been talking about the last several times that it's been my turn to preach is care of the soul. And the metaphor I have been using is a rabbinic one. And the idea is your soul or your spirit is part of you, but you don't have access to all of it. Psychology calls it the subconscious. I mean, there's all sorts of names for the fact that you don't have access to part of you, at least not consciously. The metaphor then is it's as if your soul was the daughter of a king. Your soul still talks to the father. So she's with you and you're doing stuff and the father hears what you're doing and wait a minute, how'd that happen? Well, you married the daughter of the king. What do you expect? That metaphor is a good one, but just like any marriage, it can turn abusive. And if you don't behave in a way that is pleasing to God, what winds up happening is you damage your soul, much in the, in the same way. And by the way, the daughter of the king is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, that's not you. This is your spirit, not God's spirit. So what I want to talk to you about is truth and how believing something that isn't true is damaging to your soul. One of the reasons for that is everybody at some level is still connected to God because he designed you that way. And when you are in blatant untruth, at some level you know. Even if you've decided that you're going to go off and do something that's not true, you still know at some level. So I'm going to give you a horseback definition of truth. If you're a philosopher, you would be able to come up with a whole lot more words than I'm going to use, but this is a good horseback definition. Truth is that information which matches reality. Reality is that which is independent of what anybody thinks about it. Say, if I were a philosopher, I could give you a much more detailed definition, but that'll work for what we're doing right now. Now, everybody wants the truth, or at least they say they do. Or another way to say it, everybody wants to be able to confidently assert that what he believes is true. So, for example, take the current rage that's flying around now, transgenderism. They confidently assert that you can do anything you want. Unfortunately, that confident assertion doesn't match reality. Hence, at some level, it's not true. Hence, they're angry. As I have said before a long time ago, God sets up Christian radio just for me. You all can listen to it too. It's okay, you, you can listen to it, but understand that he's set it up for me. And I've been listening to Ronald Dart this week. For those of you who don't know Ronald Dart, he's dead. But he is a preacher from White House, Texas. And he's very good. And what he's doing right now is he's going through a series called What Did the Early Church Believe? It goes right into what I'm talking about, just by coincidence, which of course is not a kosher word. So his statement is that virtually everybody who has any ink in the New Testament was a Jew. Yeshua was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. John was a Jew. James was a Jew. Paul was a Jew. They think as Jews. They grew up in Torah. So they write stuff, and if you read it from a Christian perspective, you don't really know what's going on. Let me give you an example. This is not one that Dart used, but it hit me as I was studying this, and it was, wow, that's interesting. In Matthew 11.28, Yeshua is duking it out with the Pharisees, as he often does. They're talking about John. And they're saying, was well, this guy John legitimate or not? And this is the place where he says, well, 
he comes to you in sackcloth and ashes and you say this and he comes to you that way and you say he's drunk and, and no matter what he says, you can't be pleased. So then he says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you don't understand rabbinic Judaism, you don't understand that phrase. Let's go to the Council of Jerusalem in Acts chapter 15. And that's where they're discussing, all right, the Gentiles who get the Holy Spirit and come to belief, do they have to be circumcised? That's the controversy. Peter gets up and he says, now therefore, why are you putting God to the test by placing a yoke on the neck of the disciples that neither our fathers nor we have been able to bear. Notice the use of the word yoke again. And it means something specific. Let's go out to Galatians. So we've got Yeshua, we've got Peter, let's do Paul. Because they're all saying the same thing. And in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. First off, Yeshua contrasts his yoke, which is light. Peter says, you guys are trying to put a yoke on these guys that we can't even bear, much less them. And Paul is saying, do not put on a yoke of slavery. What are we talking about? Let me have my slide. I've got a little diagram up here to help me talk. And on the left side of the diagram is Christianity. And on the right side is Rabbinic Judaism. And what I've got in the middle where those two intersect is where I hope we are. Notice how I said that, by the way. I'm not ever sure that we are, but that's where I hope we are. And so in the Christian church, what happens when the Christians come in to belief in Messiah, they don't check their paganism at the door. So we worship on Sunday, and we've got Easter bunnies, and we got maypoles, and we got... Christmas, and we got all that stuff that comes into the religion from paganism. The Jews on the other side have got Shabbat. They're okay with Shabbat, right? But they've also got their traditions, and they've got what they know as oral Torah. The intersection there is Yeshua and Moses. Notice both Yeshua and Moses. Because what Yeshua says, every time he dukes it out with the Pharisees, is it is written. And Yeshua never goes against the written word of Moses. All of the conflicts that have to do with Yeshua and the Pharisees and the Sadducees are over the oral Torah. This is the stuff that the rabbis have added over the centuries that have piled up like a Christmas tree, and I use that, by the way, precisely. And what Yeshua is doing is arguing with them, and they're saying, wait a minute, you're not following the law. And he says, telling me I'm not following the law? You're not following the law. Because what you're doing is you are violating the law of Moses by your traditions. Now, coming back to our yoke. It is a rabbinic phrase that every day you put on the yoke of Torah. 
So when Yeshua and Paul and Peter are talking about yokes that nobody can bear, what they're talking about is oral Torah. When Yeshua says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what he is saying is, I am getting rid of all that Christmas tree of rabbinic stuff and I'm going back to Moses and Moses says, this is not too hard for you. Moses specifically says that. This is not too hard for you. And Yeshua is saying the same thing. This is not too hard for you. My yoke is easy. Their yoke is too heavy to bear. That's what Paul is saying in Galatians. Their yoke is too heavy to bear. Do not put on a yoke of slavery again. That's what Peter is saying in front of the Council of Jerusalem. Do not make the Gentiles take on the yoke of rabbinic Judaism. And if you don't understand that metaphor, all of that talking about yoke, it just goes right by you. Now, just as Christianity has brought a bunch of untrue stuff into their church, so has rabbinic Judaism brought a bunch of untrue stuff into their worship. Both sides are walking in lies. And as you read the New Testament, if you don't understand how rabbinic Judaism works, you will not recognize the lies. Because the rabbinic Jews, when they say Torah, they do not differentiate between written Torah and oral Torah, and what they're talking about is the whole Talmud. And they call it Torah. They call it the law. It includes Moses, but it includes a whole bunch of other stuff. And furthermore, their perspective is, if we have a conflict between what Moses writes and what oral Torah says, oral Torah wins. And so when we come in from the Sunday church, where all of us grew up, and we come in and we're dragging our Christmas trees behind us, and we say, wait a minute, there's no Christmas trees over here in Judaism. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time, they must be right. Well, to a certain extent, they are. They've got a bunch of it right. But there's also just as much junk over there as there is in the Sunday church. Both sides are encrusted with junk. And what you need to do is you need to understand both sides in order to be able to weed through the junk and get to the stuff that is true. That's what we're trying to do. We're trying to go through the rabbinic junk that's pretty good, I like that, Shabbat, and eating clean, oh, I like that. There's all sorts of stuff that is not junk over there, but you've got to look at it in order to figure that out, to figure out what is true. And your guide is, Yeshua, it is written, it is written, it is written. Every time Yeshua dukes it out with the Pharisees, Yeshua goes back to the written word of Moses. Give you another example. Peter grew up his entire life in Judaism. You all remember the story of Cornelius, where Peter is called by the Spirit to go to a Roman household and teach the Word of God to the Romans. And at that time, the Holy Spirit falls on the Romans, which just shocks the tar out of Peter and everybody else, because they didn't think that was possible. And one of the things that Peter says to the Romans you know it's unlawful for me to enter a Gentile house and eat it there. That's BS. There's nothing in Moses that says that you're not supposed to eat with Gentiles. That's all rabbinic. Peter has been steeped in that his entire life, so his reaction when he gets told to go to Cornelius' house is, wait a minute, God, I can't do that. That's a violation of Torah. 
And it takes a vision three times directly from God to get him off that position. So when these guys are writing the New Testament, understand that they are coming at it from a lifetime of Torah as explained by rabbinic Judaism. So when Paul says, hey, don't put on a yoke of slavery, Paul is doing rabbi speak. He's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That yoke of the Torah is not something that you want to put on. But he's still using the language of rabbinic Judaism. When a rabbinic Jew talks about the Torah, he's talking about all of it. The the Talmud, the Mishnah, the Oral Torah, all of that. He just says Torah. Doesn't differentiate. And so in these arguments that you see in the New Testament, you've got to understand where each of them is coming from. The Pharisees and Paul and Peter and all that are talking about oral Torah. Yeshua is saying, those are the traditions of men. Go over here, look at Moses. It is written. So the first thing that we're talking about is both the rabbis and the Christians have got a boatload of lies that have been taught to them by people they entrust their spiritual care to. So if you're in the Catholic Church... Thou shalt not eat anything except fish on Friday. It's the same stuff. People do that. They encrust stuff because the written word of Moses is something they don't like. You have an entire wing of the body of Christ over on the left circle, which is Christianity, that will feed you a ham sandwich at a church picnic on Easter Sunday. That's wrong. That's not true. That's a lie. And you've got the other side over here that won't come in and won't share a table fellowship with you because you're Gentile. That's that's not clean. It's forbidden for me to do that. They're both lies. There's nothing in Moses that ratifies either one of those things. And what Yeshua is saying is it is written. So when you operate in the area outside the intersection of those two circles, which is either straight rabbinic Judaism or straight Christianity, what's happening is to some extent, I'm saying this very carefully now, to some extent you are living in lies. And don't get me wrong, there's wonderful people in rabbinic Judaism that do a lot of good and they love God and so forth, but they have got a bunch of Christmas stuff called the Oral Torah, that is leading them astray. And over here on the Sunday church side, there are wonderful people who do wonderful things, believe in Yeshua, love him with their whole heart, but they got lies that are holding them back. So I'm not casting stones at people. I'm talking about the Word of God. One of the things that Yeshua says is that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, He over and over and over again tells you the truth when he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, which means I'm speaking truth. That's not what this says. When it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it does not say here, I am speaking the truth. He says, I am the truth. Other places he tells you, I'm speaking the truth. He does that too. But what he's saying here is, I am the truth. What does that mean? It means that you can look at him and his life and you can take every bit of it and you can look at it and say, that is the truth. You can be confident in that. Now, the other thing that he says in John 16, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the spirit of truth comes, the spirit of what? The spirit of truth. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. All right, now stop a minute. Think about that. What is a guide? It's not somebody with a cattle prod. That's not a guide. What's a guide? Somebody who shows you the way. And the only time a guide is useful is if you're moving. If you're sitting on your blessed assurance, a guide does you no good because you're not moving. These words mean something. They're written very precisely. They mean something. So if you're going to have the Holy Spirit and you're going to count upon Him as your guide, you better be moving. Then you can trust that if you move in the wrong direction, you will get a nudge from the Spirit saying, nope, wrong direction. But you've got to be willing to listen to that nudge. And if you're shopping for Christmas presents, you're not listening to that nudge. And again, those of you who have blended families and shop for Christmas presents for your Christian friends, you understand what I'm saying. I'm I'm not trying to say you can't shop for Christmas presents for your friends. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is if you're doing stuff that is either over here in the oral Torah or over there in the pagan side of Christmas, and you believe that, then you're not going to hear the voice of the Spirit who is guiding you. Now, let's do something else. One of the things Yeshua says is, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Does that mean free from the yoke of false beliefs? Every lie that you believe is damaging at some degree, maybe very small, but some degree to your soul. You're abusing the daughter of the king. And as you get rid of the lies that have accumulated in your life, you become free. Doesn't mean that you might not still be physically a slave or something like that, but you are now free because you're not carrying around junk in your mind and your spirit. Paul says, hey, if you came to Christ while you were a slave, don't worry about it. Just be a really good slave now. So Paul isn't telling you that you've got to all of a sudden go out there and become a freedom fighter. Although, if that's what you're called to do, by God, do it. But free is free from lies, free from untruth, free from the things that are damaging your soul and your spirit. That's what free means in this context. Now, one of the things that is happening in this world is we are getting lied to with a fire hose. It has always been thus. Ain't nothing new. Those of you who are going through Ecclesiastes with me on Tuesday night, there isn't anything new under the sun. It just seems like the fire hose has really been turned up. So you got people who are walking in with a three-day growth of beard and saying, all right, you need to call me Shirley. That's a lie. And the point of the exercise is they are trying to get you to participate in the lie because if you participate in the lie, it damages your soul. Because you are speaking something you know is not true. So all of this stuff in the culture, which is obviously lies, is designed through social pressure and whatever to get you to buy into a lie, lots of lies, to some extent because it's damaging to you. They don't care whether you believe it or not. What they care about is whether you say it. Because if you say it, you've bought into the lie, and you have, to some extent, compromised your own soul. That's what's important. That's what Satan cares about, is your soul. He cares about getting you to damage yourself. He cares about you 
putting on a yoke that is too heavy to bear. That's what he's trying to do. So you cannot participate. Not because I said so, but because it's damaging to you. Now, having said that, remember I started off with the assertion, which I believe is true, that everybody at some small corner of their soul knows what's true. And for appetite or fear or whatever reason they have chosen to live and speak a lie, I really like other men. Or if you're a woman, I really like other women. And that's just what my appetite is. So what we're going to do is we are going to fudge the Word of God so that I can indulge in my appetites. I mean, we have a presidential candidate who is an open sodomite who is a believer, quote-unquote, and is saying that my copy of the Bible says this is okay. Well, my copy of the Bible doesn't. He is over here on the left side where we've got maypoles and Easter bunnies and all of that stuff that comes in from somewhere else, and that's where he's operating. And what he's trying to do is drag you in with him. By the way, Moses says it's wrong. Yeshua says it's wrong. Paul says it's wrong. Pick any section of the Bible you like, okay? They all say it's wrong. And I'm not picking on him necessarily. It's just that's what's going on in the culture right now. I'm simply using him as a ready-to-hand example. I could have used half a dozen others. I'm not particularly picking on him. The fact that he's a sinner is not anything I can do about because I am too. Now, one of the things that you have... To some extent, to a great extent, most of you, you have an understanding and a knowledge of what's true. And remember I said that a guide only guides somebody who's moving. So get out there and speak the truth. And understand that a lot of the anger that is out there, and there is tremendous anger, has to do with the fact that a lot of these people are confronted with the truth and it conflicts with what they want to do so they are angry and if you speak the truth understand you are going to get an angry reaction It's just the way it is but occasionally sometimes your truth may penetrate does everybody here read the Babylon Bee? fake news you can trust and one of the things from the Babylon Bee months ago I was reading it Believer doesn't love his unbelieving neighbor enough to share the gospel with him. Think about that. You have the truth. And they say, all of us have got lies that we've got and we haven't gotten rid of yet. And it takes real work to get rid of them. It is not easy. But it's possible. And as you find things that are true, share them. Because... The world is full of people who are lost and afraid and angry and don't know what to do. That's where you come in.